What is up? What is going on? Welcome to the Threequel Podcast. This week we are getting ready to dive into Captain America the Winter Soldier. We'll do it on the other side of the song. Yet another episode of the Threequel Podcast. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Ethan Klein, joined by my two co-hosts, Mike Duranik and Brad Miller. Gentlemen, how are you doing? I was really, really good until that mental image of what you said about you diving into <laughs> Captain America. Um, and yeah, I'm struggling a little bit right now. You know, well, oh, please, Mike, go ahead. Save me from this. Well, I wasn't going to save you from it. I was just going to add on, actually, that um, sometimes Ethan just he, you can't uh, he can't hold back his excitement. And uh, even though it creates uncomfortable moments occasionally, um, what can you do? Yeah, I mean, this this podcast is all just always about bringing the passion, um, whatever, however that may look. Um, so this week, that's just what it looks like for me. I'm just very, very excited to talk. Uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, um, which again was Mike's pick for the month of April. Our first uh, trip into the comic book. Well, I guess it's not. I guess technically it is our second, but Beaver Vendetta is more of a, it was a graphic novel. It is that vein, but this is definitely uh, the more traditional comic book film, obviously a huge part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. First time we've uh, gone into a franchise in the middle of a franchise. Obviously, we've had movies like The Matrix that kicked off a franchise, but this is smack dab in the middle of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so that'll give us plenty to talk about. Uh, before we get into that, the way we always kick off the show is uh, by asking uh, you guys how you first came to see our film. So 2014, April 2014 is when this was released so take a little uh, trip down memory lane gentlemen how did you first come to see captain america the winter soldier and what were your thoughts about it back then and the thoughts you brought into this rewatch this time i was a little late to the game on this one uh not sure why didn't uh wasn't that appealing, I guess, the first time around. Um, but when I have a son, as he got a little older, wanted to see the, uh, you know, the whole series of Marvel movies there. Uh, so I agreed to watch it with him and, uh, yeah, just watched it in the living room. And um, it's okay. I mean, we'll get into our thoughts on it. I This isn't my wheelhouse, so I'm not the uh, the expert or the person to really dive deep into you know, the uh, canon of Marvel films here. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a decent one. And uh, I came into this not really remembering much of it, so it was kind of a nice nice little surprise as I was rewatching it. Well, I, I can say that I assuredly saw this one in the theater um, when, when it came out, Ethan, and uh, probably would have seen it within the first uh, couple of weeks that it was in the theater. By this point, uh, I, I was not a huge comic book uh, movie fan. I, I had seen the Batmans, the Spider-Mans, but it wasn't some of the X-Men. It wasn't like appointment viewing. I had a friend of mine uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll call him Pappy Drew. 
just, you know, for, you know, cover, uh, who was pretty big into this stuff and managed to convince me to go see the first Iron Man at the kind of start of phase one of this and then Iron Man 2 and kind of helped me to understand the bigger lore behind uh, where what Marvel was doing and why why they were trying to do this. And I got to say, I, I'm really appreciative of, uh, of of Pappy because of the fact that uh, got me kind of into the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, early on. And it has paid dividends for me. I, I'm not the biggest fan out there, but I, I'll say more so than what Brad just said. I enjoy the movies uh, and even through to this day have stayed up to speed with like the television shows that are uh, being released currently on Disney plus. Yeah. The timing of this actually works out. We're smack dab in the middle of uh, the Falcon and winter soldier television show. Mike, I'm assuming you're watching that. If you, if you mentioned that you're watching the shows, Brad, are you also watching that? I am. Yeah. So I big, I'm a big fan. Um, I liked WandaVision. Uh, it was definitely a different thing. I'm a huge fan of the characters that are involved in this show and uh, the two main characters both being introduced here uh, in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which for me uh, saw this, you know, midnight showing Thursday opening night, you know, what is, so it would have been April 3rd actually when it came out, I probably saw like a 10 o'clock early showing or whatever. Um, but I definitely went into that as the biggest fan of the three of us from, from what I'm gauging from you guys, which, I mean, this was the perfect time. I mean, Iron Man came out when I was 12. So for a 12 year old who uh, liked comics, who liked the cartoons for that, I mean, I was at the perfect age to understand what they were doing and then to grow up through uh, being a teenager and into my early twenties for this whole first run of, uh, what they now call the Infinity Saga. And for this, I think it's interesting, and we can get into it. I had, I don't know if low expectations is really the right phrase, but Captain America was probably my least favorite Avenger. And then going into this and coming out of it with how, how much I enjoyed it, I think was definitely a surprise. And I think a lot of the conversation we'll have is a lot of the surprises that came out of this film between who created it and definitely where they they went after that. So I think definitely an interesting film to talk about for our first time jumping into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So let's get into it. Um, it is the second Captain America film. Uh, the first one coming out a few years prior. The first one actually led into the first Avengers film. Uh, and I, I guess I am interested because I did say I was not a huge fan and I'm still not to this day. The first Captain America is one of my least favorite Marvel films. I did not have high hopes going into this the first time and was pleasantly surprised with now where it ends up. Where were you guys at in terms of your expectations for the Captain America character? Yeah, so I think that uh, with, with Captain America, I agree with you, uh, first off, not my favorite character. Um, I think that the general way that Steve Rogers is portrayed in these movies, and I imagine it's the same as the comics. I, I haven't read the comics, but um, extremely ethical uh, and the ideals of the country and things like that. But it comes off to me as less interesting than more of what I would consider to be like a complex character. And so I would agree with you. The, the story in the first Avenger really kind of played through that lens for me. And I was like, yeah, you know, not the most engaging character. 
what the cinematic universe started to do a little bit with the first Avengers movie, but then really with this one was starting to add, for me at least, a lot of nuance to the character, the way that it, it challenged some of his you know core beliefs, his, his ethics, both in, as it relates to S.H.I.E.L.D. as well as it relates to you know uh, the other title character, the Winter Soldier and everything that go in there. Um, so this movie, I, I would say I went in with lower expectations because not my favorite. Uh, character. The prior one was not my favorite movie, but I, that, I think that that led to why I was so pleasantly surprised by this one, because I think it showed a lot of depth to the character that I didn't see coming. Yeah, I think that, um, I don't know, I guess I didn't really have any expectations. Uh, admittedly, like this type of film and this type of series, it's just way too overwhelming for me because there's just way too much going on. Um, it, it's crazy to think like how something that happened in four movies ago in an Iron Man film might have something to do with something in this film, you know, and it's just like, I can't wrap my head around the, the depth of it. So I don't really watch it for that. I watch it for more of the entertainment plus uh, I guess the interpersonal stories. So um, much like Mike was saying, I got into the depth of the characters here and kind of, you know, what's motivating them, what's making them do what they do. How are they looking out for each other? The, the trust involved in this film was uh, a pretty big key for me. And there was a, a few lines here and there that really stood out to kind of like make you think, um, but yeah, like, uh, I, I guess I don't really know where I'm, I'm going with that more to say, like, for me, it's just, I just kind of watch it surface level, take it as a movie, not as a part of a major series, because I just get lost in it. Uh, I will say, though, I, I do enjoy the TV shows more, um, much like uh, in the Star Wars thing with the Mandalorian, uh, the, the details that they're putting into these shows because they can take the time and pull from the, the canon and, and make all these storylines fit and all the Easter eggs they're putting in them. It's just, it's fantastic. Um, so I, I do enjoy them, but as far as understanding or really having any clue as to the overall theme of, you know, the Avengers or, or Marvel or any of that, I can't, I can't really speak to that. I, I think the Star Wars comparison is actually an interesting one to touch on because, you know, seemingly everyone you talk to that have seen The Mandalorian loves The Mandalorian. They they love what that is. You know, myself, for sure, I wish that that was kind of where Star Wars went. And I think an issue that I have had with some of the Star Wars films is a, a lack of direction, it feels like. Even in the in the latest trilogy you had two different filmmakers make three movies that are supposed to flow together that don't at all. Whereas with the Marvel cinematic universe over 23 movies. Now I think it is you can do like Brad said, you can watch captain America, winter soldier as captain America, the winter soldier. You can also then too watch it as the 10th episode of a 23 episode series. They, they, have, they have just such good continuity and ability to let the filmmakers make their own movie, but then as an overall company say, hey, we need this and we need this. Give us this to extend the universe, but make your own movie. And I think that's what's made them so successful as both 
just it's such a phenomenon. This is the greatest phenomenon in filmmaking we're ever going to see. To be able to successfully put out this many movies over this long amount of time as a whole series, I don't think we'll ever see again. I don't think it's possible. Absolutely wrong, Ethan. I mean, mid '80s. Did you watch the Ernest Goes to series? Like, I mean, no, that, no I missed that. That has to like Ernest goes to jail. Ernest goes to camp. Ernest goes to school. Ernest goes to house like there's yeah it's just so many Ernest goes to film goes to films um i know mike i know mike's a fan too well all i can say is i don't know if in post production ethan's going to be able to take the deep intense darth vader-esque breathing that was going into the microphone i was trying to figure it out and it was definitely coming from brad i'm like why is he breathing so intently and i now realize it's because of how excited he got getting ready to defend the <laughs> earnest films which was, I, was, clearly, I really, I mean, was i really breathing that heavy <laughs> well it was either that or or maybe uh you know ethan's well, dog it, managed it, it to get into my it. dog i'm fairly confident it was you because <laughs> when you when you back when you backed off the microphone huh. um Yes, Ethan, to your point, sorry, beyond sorry, the Ernest films, <laughs> the Ernest films are in a separate category. Uh, but beyond that, as you're talking, I, I think through this, right? So what Lucas did with Star Wars in 77, 80, and 83 had really not been done to that degree uh, in, in any way, shape, or form. And so even the inconsistencies in the story between the first one, the second one, the third one were easy to overlook and retcon, right? Then you get to the prequel trilogy, and for all the things that that isn't, it is a coherent, creative vision seen through from episode one to episode three that was Lucas's vision. In between the prequel trilogy and the new trilogy, the biggest thing that ended up making those Star Wars films, these new ones, I think stick out like a sore thumb, is that they had to be delivered in an era where Marvel had shown an incredible ability to not only make films standalone powers or trilogy powers by themselves, Iron Man 1, 2, and 3, but also make them all a part of something interconnected and it all flows together with minimal retconning needed. Um, and so that made the, the huge missteps, uh, particularly from Last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker, painfully glaring. Yeah, I mean, Marvel being this successful has also been the worst thing that has happened to almost every other potential franchise since 2008. And, I mean, part of it, uh, let's be honest, was low expectations. I mean, Marvel mm -hmm. was dead in the water. Uh, Sony had bought the rights to Spider-Man way back in the Tobey Maguire movies. They had the opportunity to have all of it. And they said, no, no one will ever want to watch a Captain America and Iron Man movie. You can keep that. So low expectations going into it gave them the opportunity to release origin story after origin story and build up to what we see today versus now when a potential franchise wants to get off the ground, they make two movies and then do a team up and you don't care about anybody and it doesn't matter and it fails. So everyone's trying to copy it and, I, that's kind of why I said we're never going to see it again because production companies don't have the patience to give a franchise five years to build up to a huge movie like the first Avengers. It's just, it just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. They, they absolutely want 
the first Avengers. They want the Avengers, but without the timing. And, you know, you, you said something that I'm sure this has been said before, but it just uh, struck me. Did Marvel Studios get lucky with the fact that their most well-known properties in Spider-Man, the X-Men, and then probably to a lesser degree, but the Fantastic Four were owned by other studios. And so therefore they had to work with the leftovers but that also in some ways might have freed them because it's not as if they were competing against, you know, think about DC, every Batman movie that comes out competes against all the other Batman movies and is going to probably fail compared to the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Marvel didn't have that problem when they rolled out an Iron Man movie. I mean, it wasn't new property, but for all intents and purposes for big budget Hollywood, it was new property. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And that's kind of where I want to go with our conversation. I mean, we usually talk about the filmmakers and the actors, things like that. There's a theme in the Marvel films. And that theme to me is, like I said, kind of lower expectations. They, you know, they started with Iron Man. No one has any expectations for an Iron Man movie, especially an Iron Man movie led by Robert Downey Jr. coming off of all of his uh, off-screen issues that he was going with. And when we specifically look at this film, Chris Evans was obviously established as Captain America before this being in the Avengers film in his first film, but him playing Captain America originally was again out of nowhere. He had been in those fantastic four movies that were panned. He was not a, he would have not been anyone's first choice for Captain America. When you think about who really displays that. And then I think the crazy thing, which I know Brad will be interested in talking about the Russo brothers that made this film really came out of nowhere. I think that's some of the most interesting conversation. These guys were a part of Arrested Development, which I know is one of Brad's favorite. They directed the pilot together, and then each of them directed multiple episodes. Then they created Community. So two well-renowned comedic television shows. Absolutely no success making major motion pictures. They made You, Me, and Dupree. Okay, that was their claim to fame. (laughs) And then this, and then... Captain America Civil War, the two biggest Avengers movies, their hands are all over the Marvel Cinematic and it's just insane to me that this is what we get out of the guys that helped create community and arrested development. Yeah, I uh I guess I hadn't done my research. I didn't even know that. So that's very interesting to me and to um to hear that is is pretty incredible, but the one thing that does make sense is in community and arrested development the ability to interweave different stories and um, have the continuity of of so many little small moments that a lot of people would overlook meaning something you know 10 episodes down the line that they can recall and it reshows not reshows it shows that ability that they have um, and to do it in a uh, the comedic chops like that. I mean, those are two of the best written uh, comedy shows of all time. Um, whether you like them or not, it, you, it's hard to argue that the the writing in those lacks anything. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's really cool to hear. That I had no idea that they were the ones responsible for um, both of those properties. Yeah, I hadn't either. I had looked, you know, at their movie list which is impressive simply because of the fact that they've rolled out probably the four or four of the the six best uh marvel movies 
depending on where you want to put a couple of the Iron Mans and, and maybe uh, one of the Thors, right? Uh, but they, they obviously incredibly successful with this. But yeah, as you look through their TV history, um, pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, I would say any given day, I am going to, uh, I, I mean, Endgame will probably always be my favorite Marvel movie just for the culmination and how perfect it was that they brought that all together. But the four Russo brothers films are, I think there's a clear gap for me and it is outstanding that they were able to do that. And so, and, and on the other side of the camera, I mean, we don't really need to dive into the careers of all these actors because so, so much of their, their careers have been overtaken by the Marvel cinematic universe. Um, so I guess if we just want to touch on anything, I do think, I, I do want to give a credit to Sebastian Stan. I really do want to take time to talk about that because, again, one of these guys did not have a lot to his credit. He was in the first Captain America film. He's in this. Now he's been in all of these Marvel films. But how easy it would be to just be a forgettable character and how memorable this character is and the arc that he as an actor has had now all the way up into we'll see where Falcon and Winter Soldier goes, where four episodes in now but i gotta give a lot of credit to this guy because again really out of nowhere and i'm a big fan of what he does in this film but overall as well in the marvel films well think about the foresight but also the risk that it takes uh if i got this right as i was reading this uh, they signed him marvel signed him to a nine movie deal before the first captain america movie yep. Um, now I'm sure that there were outs and this and that, and if this doesn't get to X number of dollars or whatever, but I mean, that takes a ton of, uh, of faith in your product to, to do something like that. Um, I think that, yeah, he, he gives a good performance. I've enjoyed him in the, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier with some of his additional, uh, time kind of on screen in, in that role. Um, and of course, I, I think he is, uh, he, he's the future Luke Skywalker, right? Isn't That's that what the, everyone the keeps trying that, to say. I, I'm not sure that I see it, but, uh, I suppose if he could manage to, to score a nine movie deal here, including a television show, and then end up going to play long, uh, young Luke in, in future Star Wars properties, he may not have to do anything else and just continue to cash those checks for the rest of his life. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, and I think what impresses me the most is, I guess I'm not sure where you guys are at. So for me, I had read the comics growing up. I knew going into this who the Winter Soldier was. That was not the twist of this film to me is that, oh, that's Bucky. The The twist in this film, I guess, as a fan going into it was the whole concept that S.H.I.E.L.D. was Hydra and Hydra S.H.I.E.L.D. All that. that. That was more of a shock to me as a fan than who the Winter Soldier really was. But his ability to go from Captain America's best friend in the first film to this being one of the more terrifying villains in the MCU, in my opinion, truly. I mean, when he is on his warpath in the action scenes in this film, it really is horrifying, The just the precision that he attacks with. And, and that's a ton of credit to his ability to play the character. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said there, Ethan, and I... I... You know, as far as like the, the surgical precision almost that his character has, not only do you see that in this movie, but you see it come back in, in future movies as well when they, you know, flash back and reflect on some of the roles that he played, um, you know, in the, the Stark family history and things oh. like that. 
Uh, and obviously, like, you know, in this in this character, a 70 year history of being this methodical, um, you know, methodical uh, killer. Right. And killing machine and then having Captain America, Steve Rogers have to face off and, and have that realization of who he is. Um, it, it really adds a, a layer to this movie that I was not anticipating when I went in to watch it for the first time. So was that for you guys? maybe not being as versed in the comic book world as I was going into this. Was that a shock to you who the winter soldier actually was? Um, I guess to say shocking, I, again, I don't watch these kind of recalling. Like, I mean, I knew who Bucky was, but like, wasn't attached to that as like, Oh, this, this great guy that's captain America's best friend or whatever, you know, like, so it, I didn't have the um, heartbreaking element of that, like, oh, my God, how could Bucky do this? You know, it's not like a heel turn or something that I I felt because I didn't have the connection to Bucky. So shocking wouldn't be the right word, um, I guess, for me to use. But um, I I took it more as like I actually appreciated that it it was somebody that meant something to Captain America because that took it to a whole other level. Yeah, it was not a Kaiser Sose-esque reveal in any way, shape, or form. And I think that given the nature of the material, you're going to have people fall into two categories predominantly. Comic book fans like yourself who walked in knowing, based off of the title of the movie, exactly what was going to happen with that reveal. And other people who weren't comic book fans who didn't know that necessarily but also as brad said may not have had the recall to really have and they didn't have the ton of investment in it in that way and so while it wasn't done as you know i, I use the usual suspects as that example it didn't happen to that degree um i think it was effective but i also agree with you the hydra shield shield hydra reveal is the bigger one with by far the bigger implication for the mcu yeah for sure so uh, i don't know if there's any other performances you guys want to touch on um, I think, I mean, obviously Robert Redford being a villain is yeah. something we, we had not seen often. And I thought he played that out pretty well. Yeah. Robert Redford is a villain, just delightful. Um, I thought that he was spot on and, and, uh, it was really enjoyable and just the, the parts that he plays and then Samuel L. Jackson is Nick Fury. Um, they add an awful lot to it and you feel like you're getting, a ton from the the actors from the characters but they don't um they don't usurp the the other characters who have the bigger roles and so they they bring a lot to the to the table but in in the appropriate roles yeah i think kind of looking through the other three that really stand out to me um to kind of do a shout out here uh kobe smolders and her ability to cameo in these films um but but also make those cameos feel very important, I think is, is impressive. Uh, Frank Grillo, I think does really great in this one is, uh, is Rumlow. Yeah. I think, I mean, Frank Grillo has become one of those guys that just, if he's in something, I want to see it because I know that he's just going to bring it. I, I just recently watched a show called kingdom that he was in right around this time. It's on Netflix and it, it's become one of my five favorite shows of all time and it's a lot of credit to do uh with him and his ability so whenever he pops up in something and seeing him be able to be a villain too is it's always fun when guys that aren't necessarily villains often 
get that opportunity to, and it's the same fun uh, we were able to have with Robert Redford. When you say that, Ethan, I picture like this white dry erase board in your bedroom and you just have like one through five listed and then you start watching the kingdom and you're like okay which one is moving down and moving off and where am i putting it like is it that sort of thing for you uh it's a list on my phone that i keep that i update as i watch shows and definitely i mean is this show i mean by all me i i recommend this show to anyone and everyone that's uh that can handle the content of it. It's a Netflix show that you're not sure if people can handle the content. It, uh, it, well, you know. it's, it's not a Netflix original. It, it, it just happened to be okay. on there, but it is a very hard, hard, hard. The way I've described it to people is that it is, uh, it's a UFC show in the vein of Friday night lights. If Friday night lights was the hardest R television show of all time. Okay, gotcha. That makes a lot more yeah. sense. My mind immediately went to an awful lot of like references and cameos, but uh, but more of a, more of a hard R in, yes. in that way. That makes yeah. sense. Okay. So I have a similar list on my phone, and if I pull it up here, number one on that list, June twenty third, nineteen eighty nine, is number one. It's ten greatest poops of all time, and that was my number oh. one. Yeah, June twenty third, nineteen eighty nine. Um, it. It's really like, I mean, that day will just always be remembered. It's uh, probably going to be called Pappy Drew 90 Day from, from now on. It should be. It should be. Um, thank you for that. Uh, so, uh, I, wow, I don't even know where to go from there. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't you know, wanna... Brad, I know that we, oh, sorry. I was going to say we've done well. When we get a when we get a thank you for that from Ethan, and then he doesn't know where to go from it. So. Well, I hate to. I I wanted. I was hoping someone would mention him. Of course, the other half of the show that's currently going on, Anthony Mackie has just taken this character around with it, and it's something. I think it's interesting. You know, we we've mentioned how, you know, Brad being someone who watches these movies individually, and obviously where I'm at with it and Mike, I think kind of leaning a little more my way in terms of the fandom of the entirety of the MCU. But I think it's, it's cool to see things that, I mean, they did not plan. Obviously, you know, like if you look at Endgame, Iron Man's final words, everything I've read, they didn't decide that until they were filming the scene. You know, they didn't plan in 2008 for when he said, I am Iron Man for that to be, where that ended up but they have the ability to go back in these movies and pull these little pieces these little things that have just stuck around and something like this the relationship between falcon and captain america did they know it was going to work this well i doubt it you know i mean they're they're taking risks they're trying new things with characters that people don't know but that relationship ends up being something that in a movie like endgame you get the on your left thing right before the final fight. Just those little pieces that they can take from these movies that are so good, so memorable, and they kind of create their own continuity through the whole thing versus, you know, it, it just doesn't feel like they, they wrote that hoping it would work. They wrote it, it worked, and then they were still able to use it later because it was so iconic. And it's stuff like that. Their relationship ha ha just grew so well, not just in this movie, but in the whole MCU overall. And that's a credit to Anthony Mackie himself. Yeah, and I think you know, seeing what Anthony Mackie is doing with the character now in the Falcon and Winter Soldier show, 
uh, adds a whole other layer to it. And I'm, I'm very excited to see where these last two episodes go from yep. this. Um, but, you know, they're, they're adding a ton of depth to it, a ton of nuance to his character and, um, you know, really asking some of the tough questions. And I know when he signed on, as I was doing some research for this, I read about him saying like, look, I, the first black superhero in this, and that meant a lot to me and the work that he put into it. And so I think that there are, um, there's, there's nothing but exciting times, hopefully coming for the character and for the MCU as it continues to grow and, and diversify. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's play a game. Let's, and I do know, I wrote it down this time, Mike has to go first. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes game. Uh, we do this every week. The guys try to guess what the sitting score is, the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes for the film that we're talking about. So, Mike. What is the Rotten Tomatoes score for Captain America, the Winter Soldier? As I recall, this was one of the better critically reviewed movies um, in the MCU, but prior to the, the end game and uh, infinity wars. So I'm going to go high with this one. I'm going to go 80. I'm going to go 88, 88, Brad, what is most, mostly because my grandfather's football number sitting up there and it's 88. <laughs> Um, Brad, my my gut was saying eighty four, but to play the game strategically, I'm going to say eighty seven. So Mike is going to win. It is sitting at ninety percent right now on Rotten Tomatoes, and oddly enough, so I looked because I I figured I agreed. Like I remember this one is kind of collectively most people be like, oh, that's one of my favorites. We've gotten to a point now where if Marvel puts out a movie it's instantly sitting at 90% or above because this is like the 10th or 12th highest reviewed film for them. And it ranges all the way up to black Panther actually still has the highest sitting at 98. Um, which, I mean, I think there's a lot more that goes into that than just the quality of that film versus some other MCU film. Don't Brett. Okay, careful. No, I'm not careful. Okay, that, came out, that came out a lot worse <laughs> than I wanted to. That was, <laughs> objectively there are other films that I think are better than black Panther, but the cultural impact that it rightly has, has elevated the status of that film higher than I believe the actual quality of the film. I think there is a lot left to be desired just in terms of how good of a movie that may or may not be. I think I think objectively that got nominated for best picture. I think Infinity War is a much more for that year. That was a much more epic film. That was a much harder task to do. That that film accomplished far more with what they had to deal with. But cultural impact being factored in, I think is why Black Panther will probably always be the highest reviewed Marvel film. And I may delete all of that to save myself some trouble. No, no, no. You you handled it well. You mentioned how uh, articulate, articularly written it was. So, um, yeah, that's that's good. I, I, Ryan Coogler, right there with the Russo brothers right now. If his name is on something, I'm there. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, I don't think there's any doubt. When I said, as I was trying to guess the number i said i don't you know think as high as like the infinity war or end game and black panther wasn't like at the top of my my mind either there but it's amazing to me that there are this many you said that there are how many mcu movies that are rated higher than this it, it is i i want to say that it almost isn't even in the top 10 
man, that's uh, I will I will try quickly here. That's impressive. They are they are well done movies, and they're but to, compared to some of the other movies that we um, have talked about on this podcast, you know, and probably will that will as we move forward that'll be lower than this. It, I'm not sure what that says. What does that say, Brad? When uh, when this could be at a ninety percent in this game, and potentially not even be in the top ten of just MCU movies in general. Um, to me, what it says is that I think. People are going to give these movies a high grade and then make them prove them wrong versus like expecting it to be a C and making them earn the A. I think they're coming out with they've got enough street cred now that they're going to have the A. Um, They're going to have that 90 score as a baseline and then just go up from there um, based on the things that they can put into it. So I think that I mean, in a lot of ways, they've earned that. Um, but I, I think that, uh, it's going to take a lot for someone to be let down with a, with a Marvel movie. Like, I mean, you'd have to come out with a dud, like, I don't know, Ant-Man or something like that probably is going to have a lower score just because that character is not going to mean as much to somebody else. But, um, I would guess that that's probably one of the lower lower scored ones um but I, I really have no idea brad i think your your point makes an awful lot of sense um and as you said they've earned it i mean um the the first iron man movies really set the tone for this in terms of what they could do with these characters and the ability to have an engaging movie that is action-filled and yet plot driven and has the interpersonal relationships with the characters what they've what they've done is impressive across the board and maybe they should be graded on their own scale against other movies because it, as we've mentioned it's it's just impressive how they've managed it and if you really want me to stick my foot in my mouth we could have a conversation about how it's a joke that captain marvel is all the way up at 79 percent uh but we don't have to do that that's fine. i'd love to see that, that i'd great. love to see the discussion if if black panther was one and captain marvel was two um and just watch Ethan navigate that minefield. Well, what you're saying is Captain Marvel should be at least 20 points higher, right? It should be at about a 99. I'm saying Captain Marvel. I mean, I just dunked on Ant-Man and the Wasp. What I actually truly feel is Captain Marvel is the worst Marvel movie because it's just awful. Well, at least at least the, as far as the critic scale, it, it, it's one of the lowest, right? Or is it the lowest? Uh, no, there's like eight or nine movies below it. See, so so there you right. go. At least at least it's not in the top half. But anyway, let's get back to Captain America: The Winter Soldier before I just completely alienate uh, whatever fan base we do have. Um, what's next? Favorite line, favorite scene. See, none of, see. Sometimes you got it. You guys throw me off. You you try to get me to say stupid things. You try to get me to do stupid things, and you, you throw me off of my. my so. I'll go, I'll go first uh, on this because I'll kind of bow out of both of these just a little bit because, again, these movies are very overwhelming to me. Um, and they kind of uh, – it's so much action and so much stuff that goes into it. And the way my brain works is, like, I'm trying to catalog all these things and I just can't keep up with it. So I kind of just – watch it for what it is and then you know kind of linger on the moments that stand out and there was one line in the film that stood out to me and really kind of um it it puts a it paints a picture of where society is especially younger generation i would say 
Ethan, probably your age and younger, um, you had uh, Black Widow was getting ready to post uh, or reveal the secrets that she was finding in the in that hard that hard drive uh, that she copied from the you know the Hydra uh, shield, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I can't think of I can't think yeah. of the word. But anyways, uh, he looked at her. Uh, Pierce looked at her and said, "Are you sure you are? You want the world to know the real you?" And then she reiterated to him and said, "Are you ready for it?" You know. But it really stood out to me, like to think someone like you, Ethan, has grown up where your your entire life has basically been recorded, you know, um, in one way or another. And in a lot of ways, that's it's very sad to me um, the freedom that people lose because in that moment, like she could have paused and not done this thing that needed to be done because she was worried about what the people were going to find out about her. And that was kind of a really sad commentary on where we are, because I know a lot of people that would probably sit on something like that because they don't want the people to know who they are. They don't want their life to be um, revealed in a way that wasn't man uh, manicured the way that people do on social media and stuff. And, and that's very scary, but that was really a, a moment that stood out to me that uh, it was a, kind of a throwaway line um, that a lot of people might have looked over. But for whatever reason, that this really stuck with me. And I, I pondered that for a while about what younger people now have to go through as far as uh, um, everything being recorded. And, and one interesting fact, we, we get done watching this and um, we were having some... Uh, <laughs> Uh, problems with one of our dogs in his uh, um, bathroom habits and we were talking about that and next thing you know on our phones uh, there's ads for dog diapers just showing up out of nowhere because we had a conversation out loud in our home about this and like is that not scary like it goes to show a lot of the stuff that Hydra oh, was yeah. talking about in this film about you know uh, these technologies and things but like to think that that conversation is being listened to and algorithmed and out come these ads for dog diapers because we mentioned uh, uh, our dog peeing on the floor. It was just a interesting moment that followed up shortly after um, that moment from Black Widow. So it was just, uh, yeah, just we live in interesting times. So uh, I'll bow out of the way after talking about that if you guys want to uh, follow up and then mention your 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 favorite lines and and scenes yeah so i think that uh my favorite lines and my my favorite scenes kind of blur together and there are a lot of the um scenes between steve rogers and natasha i find uh, just their interplay in this we didn't really talk about that uh but i find it quite engaging i think that they you know they both play very well off of each other and so there's a scene in the car and I was trying to look, but I can just kind of paraphrase it. Right. There's a scene in the, their car. He's driving, she's riding. Um, and he's talking about the truth and how the truth is all relative. Um, and he says, you know, basically like, what do you want to be? And he said, how about a friend? And she said, I think you might be in the wrong business Rogers. And then later it plays back with her talking about like, you know, I got out of the KGB and I thought that I, I, went straight i went and got a, a real job so to speak with shield and then i find out that i, I basically traded the kgb for hydra um 
And I don't know what that makes me. And he plays it back to her, right? Of, I don't know if you're in the right field. Yeah. Um, I just found that, the again, the depth, I think, that was given to Captain America's character in this movie for me wasn't so much about the interplay between he and Bucky. Because all he did was reflect back to Bucky what Bucky had reflected to him in the first one, right? Uh, I'm here with you through the end of this, no matter what. The depth was in him being able to challenge his ideals opposite of a character who so clearly didn't have his ideals but was trying to and their mutual struggle to try to figure out what this means for them and it all culminates in the final scene right where she basically she looks at the council wherever she's in front and she's like you're not going to arrest me because you need me because you need us and we're imperfect but you need us but if you want to arrest me you'll know where to find me and walks out and that's so well set up everything that came forward in Civil War and in the Age of Ultron and then moving it forward into the Infinity War and Endgame. I think that just the interplay between those two, tremendous. And so for that reason, yeah. my favorite lines, but also my favorite scenes. Yeah, their their friendship really underrated, I think. I think, you know, when this movie came out, it would have been so easy to just have them be romantic. Um, and there's some flirtation, obviously, that takes place in this, but... I'm glad that they went the way that they did. Um, however you feel about it working out that she had a romantic thing with uh, Bruce Banner and that character, but I'm glad that they kept the friendship between the two of them together because it did end up being something so important for so many movies down the line. And it was different than just simply having them be a romantic couple. Uh, and so I agree with you there. I like seeing them kind of be diametrically opposed in the way that they are. My favorite line um, is the last line that, Steve says to Bucky uh, in their final fight, it's a flat, there was a flashback scene uh, uh, showing their friendship together. And then he, he throws a line back to him when Bucky's just pummeling him and he's, he's letting it happen. Just finish it. Cause I'm with you to the end of the line. And just that finally was a moment for me where going into this captain America was a, an annoying gymnast is how I remember describing him to people. And finally, this was a moment where I could, appreciate the morals that he had it was not annoying to me it was just the the true honesty of his character he he accomplished his mission he fought his best friend he did what he had to do but now he can be that that altruistic person to take this beating to try to save his friend and then my favorite scene which i i do i we haven't talked about some of the action this yet my favorite scene is is the uh the highway fight leading into there because I talked about how horrifying Bucky is as a villain in this. And, you know, we, we haven't talked about music that, that uh, score that plays whenever he gets ready to fight. It's like a scream. Almost. It sounds like a woman screaming is, it's just unsettling to hear that the action on there. I think this is the best true action in for sure, any Marvel movie for me. I mean, obviously, there's the spectacle of the Avengers movies, but so much of that is CGI and, and spectacle, and if there's not a better word for it. This is actors, choreographed fights, not stunt doubles. That is Sebastian Stan. That is Chris Evans doing all of these moves. The hand-to-hand -hand combat in this is insane. I mean, this is John Wick-level stuff in this movie. I think it's just beautiful to watch. And then the acting in it, even of itself, the realization that it is Bucky the turn in Sebastian Stan, why did you just call me that? The fear in Scarlett Johansson's face when she's running from him because she's finally met a fight that she knows she can't win. I mean, this 
This woman has fought aliens from space in the Avengers movies, and she's truly afraid of this man because of what he is. So last thing, stamp of approval. I'll make mine quick. Of course, I give it my stamp of approval. Like I said, this is probably sitting as my third favorite Marvel movie, the more I think about it. Um, my favorite one that doesn't include the last two Avengers movies. Um, and yeah, just story-wise, character-wise, action-wise, I think it has everything 100% stamp of approval. Yeah, I, I give it my stamp of approval as well. On the rewatch, it was uh, probably, honestly, more enjoyable than I was anticipating. So I give it uh, my thumbs up. So I'm going to go a different direction and, and say thumbs down, not because of the quality of the film, but because I can't recommend that anyone watch this simply because I kind of wish I wouldn't have started because I just simply feel overwhelmed by the whole thing. You, you saying that there's 23 of these and like, I'm the type of person now that kind of wants to go back and watch all 23 and that feels intimidating and daunting and like, um, it, so I, I guess what I'm saying is, is like, if you're not a fan and you're not already involved in this, don't get started because you've got so much catching up to do that it may be impossible and not worth it. Um, so if you, if you're less on the fence than someone like me, I'd have to say, stay, stand clear of this. But if you're into it and somehow have missed this to this point, then I don't know what the heck's going on in your life, but, um. Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, just stay away. All right, so for the second time in the history of the threequel, we do not go 100% across the board, uh, but that that is okay, changing things up a little bit. Guys, that was our conversation about Captain America Winter Soldier. We hope you enjoyed it. Join in the conversation. Like, you know, I mean, look, now we've basically made um, Pappy Dickface90 uh, a celebrity, so... Um, if you if you comment, we will include you in, in one way or another. So that is all we have for this week. I am Ethan Klein for Mike Duranic for Brad Miller. We will see you next time.